Welcome back to the CBJ show for episode 17. We have a lot of news to talk about here. NBA, uh, Blockbuster trade we'll get into in just a moment. Uh, Feeler discussions there. NFL recapping the wild card weekend. Looking forward to divisional round, which actually starts later today that we're recording this. Uh, some more updates on the start of the NHL season, MLB transactions, college football championship, and the MLS. And yeah, we're just going to get right into it. We got the James Harden trade, uh, one of the biggest deals that we've seen probably in NBA history, four-team deal uh, that sends James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, along with a 2024 Cleveland Cavaliers second-round pick. But the Houston Rockets giving up James Harden, they're obviously going to get a lock back. They're going to get Victor Oladipo, a former All-Star. He's going to be going in there at shooting guard to play alongside John Wall to take the place of James Harden. They also get Dante Exum, Rodians Karuks, and a right to a 2017 second-round pick who is currently playing overseas. I, mean, I believe is Alexander Vizenkov. They also get uh, Brooklyn first-round picks in 2022, 2024, and 2026. The Cavs had Milwaukee's 2022 first-round pick and they dealt that one to Houston as well. And the Rockets also get pick swaps from the Brooklyn Nets in 2021, 23, 25, and 27. And the Pacers giving up Oladipo, they're going to get a replacement there at shooting guard. Karis Levert's going to step in there. He's had a great start to his year this year with Spencer Dinwiddie going down with an injury. He's been that third option behind Durant and Kyrie. Um, and when they haven't played, which has been a lot of games, He's been number one option, so I'm sure Indiana will be happy to get him. And they also get a second-round pick from the Houston Rockets in 2023. And the Cavaliers were involved in this trade as they did have to give up Dante Axum and some picks. They are going to get Jarrett Allen from the Nets center and then Torian Prince of Ford from the Nets. So a lot of players going around, but this deal mainly revolves around the superstar getting traded, James Harden. So they have a trio of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. You can say that that's three superstars. Harden and Durant, I'd say they're two of the greatest scorers of this entire generation. So with that trio, can the Nets be favorites now to win the NBA Finals, or is it the Lakers or another team? We're going to start with Cam. You know, I still think it's the Los Angeles Lakers. I think they're too powerful of a team. You know, the Nets definitely... They improved there with this Harden trade. Now they got Harden, Katie, and Kyrie. But I still think that the Lakers are too powerful team. And I think the Nets, they got too many players that can play well on their own. But I don't think they'll be able to play all well together all together. And Brandon, your thoughts? I'm going to have to agree with Cam. I think um, what we've seen from Kyrie this past couple of weeks, um, he hasn't played a lot. And I just think James Harden and Kyrie, um, I think James Harden's going to take too much from Kyrie, and I think it's going to maybe a little mess. And I'm going to say Lakers are championships. Jason, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that the Nets have the best roster in the NBA, but the thing is they don't really have the playoff performers of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, you have Kevin Durant, probably the greatest scorer that we might have ever seen in the NBA. James Harden, also in that conversation and Kyrie with his talent with his ball handling skills it's crazy but just, I don't know if those guys are going to be able to complement each other and play team basketball they play their own game and it's not going to be team basketball at all it's going to be a, a one-man show for one play then they give it to the other guy and 
they're just not going to get the team involved in basketball. It's not a three-man sport. Uh, it's a five-man sport when it's on the, with, with all guys on the court. And, of course, there's a bench. So I just think that with three superstars on that team, they're just going to play their own game. And um, they're going to probably regret that because uh, there's a, there's lots of other teams that can beat them, like the Bucks, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets. So I think that three superstars, great, but it's not championship caliber. Uh Kyrie Irving, he is still in personal reasons. He is supposed to come back to the team, um, but um, does this convince Kyrie to really want to come back? There's been lots of rumors this past week about him, you know, not coming back for the rest of the season. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on if this trade is convincing Kyrie to really want to come back to the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, in the short answer, I'm going to say yes. Um, I think this convinces him, uh, at least for short term purposes, but I think uh, James Harden just is going to take too much from Kyrie, and I think uh, you may see him leave, and that's why I, I still think uh, the Lakers are going to win the championship, and the Nets, even though they're going to have a great uh, trio, I think they're going to fall. Cam? Yeah, I mean, I think this does convince Kyrie to come back from his reasons and convince him to really play, but like Brandon said there, I still don't think this will be a very good caliber team at the end of this. Yeah, I think that the James Harden shit actually wasn't really relevant to Kyrie wanting to return, but it definitely does give him a good reason to return. So he should be happy to return to playing around two superstars instead of one. And we're going to look at the other teams. The Nets overpaid. They gave the Rockets three first-round picks, four pick swaps. They gave Karis LeVert to the Pacers, and they gave the Cavs Jared Allen and Torian Prince, all in exchange for James Harden. Now, it's a lot of depth that they're giving up and future assets, and uh, but it's all for James Harden, a superstar, to team up with Kyrie and Durant. Uh, and the Nets, they really traded their picks. Like in the past, um, for like 15 straight drafts, I believe, they only have kept one of their first-round picks. Remember that Celtics trade that they got old Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Jason Terry for guys like Gerald Wallace, Keith Bogans, Marshawn Brooks, Chris Humphreys, and those first-round picks ended up being Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Colin Sexton. So the Celtics should be happy they were able to trade um, some of those picks away, and they got a lot of value out of it, and it's helped them to get where they are now. And now the Rockets, you know, these first-round picks could be something, but did they really overpay again? Because the Rock, the Nets, they're going to go championship or bust for the next two, three years with James Harden because – we don't know how much left in the tank that Durant and Harden have left. They are great scorers, but they're in their 30s now. So, uh, Brandon, do you think that they overpaid for James Harden or um, did they win this trade? 100%, yes. Uh, they definitely overpaid. And like Jason mentioned, uh, Durant, Kyrie, Harden, they're getting old. See, a couple of years, it's championship for bust. Celtics made an offer, but they would have had to give way too much. and. It wasn't worth it for two years of James Harden. Cam, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, giving up three first round picks, you know, that's that's a lot of good picks. And you never know, you could get you could get the next LeBron in one of those three picks or something like that. So I think the Knights did overpay, but no, they got three good players, so we'll see what they can do with it. But I think they gave a little too much for what they wanted. Yeah, I would have to agree there. I mean, yeah, you get James Harden, but you're giving up your potential future of the team because 
when you make this trade, all you want to do is just win a championship. That's a championship move. And if this is this trade doesn't still put them over the hump because of those three individual games in of those superstars and not playing team basketball, it's going to be a bad decision by the Brooklyn Nets and the Houston Rockets may have won that trade because they also do snag Victor Oladipo, which brings us into our uh, next question about uh, the Rockets probably entering rebuilding mode. Um, I, I would have to say yes to that. And uh, the Pacers and Cavs, they were the other teams that were involved in this trade. Um, does it affect them that much? The Pacers do add Karis LeVert. They have to give up Victor Oladipo and some picks are moving around. Cavs add Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. So Cam, do you think the Pacers and Cavs are that affected by this trade or were they just like a filler team for a four team trade? You know, I think it's part of being a Philly team. You know, the Cavs were off to a pretty hard start this year. So we'll see. I don't know how it's going to affect their playing. But at the end of the day, I think Oladipo is a big loss for the Pacers. But Levert's a good replacement. and But I don't think it'll impact the Cavs that much. Brandon? I'm going to have to agree. I think that uh, Oladipo is a big loss for the Pacers. But I think... Um, they're going to have to move forward, and uh, the Cavs, I think, um, got two good players in um, Jared Allen and Tureen Prince. All right, that's going to wrap up our James Harden discussion. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, it's a blockbuster deal, one that we probably won't see something as big as, for, big as a trade of for a while. So we'll see how this season ends up with Durant, Kyrie, and Harden on a team together. Brandon, let's start our second discussion for the NBA. Yeah, thanks, Jason, for uh, taking the lead on James Harden. What a big uh, uh, move in the NBA right uh, before trade deadline. Want to talk about uh, what the NBA decides to do uh, with COVID protocol. We've seen multiple games this weekend postponed. Uh, this is not um, normal, as we saw in MLB, NFL had some postponements. Yesterday, there was an NHL game that got postponed. It's all because they're playing in home markets and not in a bubble. I'm going to give a quick rapid-fire question and I'll start with Jason. Should the NBA go back into a bubble? I think it's definitely a possibility, but if it's only affecting a few teams through COVID, I think that they have the ability to play the season out in their home arenas, I think you definitely know fans the rest of the year. Um, I know some teams were considering, you know, in the next few weeks, bring some fans in, but I just don't see it happening. I think that a bubble is a great idea for this, but the thing is you have to host 30 teams and what the NBA did um, when the season started back up uh, in late July, they had 22 teams and uh, it was mainly just the playoff teams and there were a few contenders. So, I mean, I think that, um, the bubble, it's a good idea, but I think that the NBA can play it out without a bubble. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I think that right now it's only affecting a few teams and they're fine without a bubble right now. But if it continues like this, I think eventually it might be a consideration to go back into the bubble. The message uh, from the three of us is that uh, they need to keep the numbers down. We've seen this week NBA have more protocols. Um, do you have any ideas um, what the NBA should do to keep the numbers uh, lower? Well, I don't really know what else they can do. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're doing daily testing, if not like every other day. So I think that 
that's a good part. Um, social distancing at practice is pretty important. And, you know, players like going home to their families is definitely risky. Like um, it, you have to like quarantine with your family, then you have to quarantine with your team. It's just all, it's all over the place. So you don't know where this virus is going. And um, when you enter the arena, there may be like the cameramen, maybe they carry it. So like, it's just really hard um, to carry, to, um, you know, figure out how they can do better with this without an NBA bubble playing in normal arenas. So I think that they're doing the best that they can, but this is definitely surprising to me about how many cases there were. Yeah, I got to agree with Jason. I don't know what else that the NBA could really do. I think it's just up to the players and the decisions the players make. All right. We've talked about James Harden. We've talked about COVID. Going to wrap it up, our NBA discussion. Going to uh, hand it off to Cam to uh, recap NFL wildcard weekend. Yes, wildcard weekend is complete. And we are into the divisional round now. As a first game, we had the Bills defeating the Colts 27 to 24 where Phillip Rivers threw for 309 yards, two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor and Hines combined for 153 rushing yards with Michael Pittman leading the receivers at 90 reception yards. Buffalo's Josh Allen had 304 yards and two touchdowns. Diggs with 128 yards and one touchdown. The Rams defeated the Seahawks in what some could say an upset where the Rams quarterback suffered a injury, a neck injury early in the game, leaving their backup, normal starting quarterback, Jared Goff, to turn from his broken thumb just 12 days after surgery. He threw for 155 yards and one touchdown with Akers with 131 yards and touchdown. Cooper Cup leading the receptions with 78 yards. Russell Wilson not having as much a day as some would have hoped. He had 174 yards and two passing touchdowns. Bobby Wagner with 16 tackles in the sack, defeating Darius Leonard, who had 12 tackles for Indy. In the Buccaneers-Washington game, the Bucs won 31-23. Brady threw for 381 yards with two touchdowns. Fournette had 93 rushing yards. Evans leading the reception with 119 yards. Fournette with that one touchdown, along with Godwin and Antonio Brown. Washington's really good quarterback, who some might not have expected it, Taylor Heineke, with 306 passing yards, a touchdown. He had a good game. Gibson with 31 yards. McKissick, not so much, with McLaurin leading the receptions. One yard ahead of Logan Thomas, 75 to 74 yards. In the East, the Ravens defeated the Titans 20 to 13. Lamar with 179 yards, a touchdown, and a rush touchdown. Dobbins with 43 yards and a touchdown. Marquise Brown leading the reception team at 109 yards, with Marcus Peters getting that game clinching interception. Tannehill had 165 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Derrick Henry, Ravens did a good job of locking him down. He only had 40 yards on 18 carries, just averaging 2.2 yards a carry, with A.J. Brown leading with 83 yards and a touchdown. Malcolm Butler with an interception there also, and Howard Leonard with 10 tackles and two sacks. The Saints defeated the Bears on CBS and Nickelodeon 21-9 with Mitch Trubinsky with 199 yards and a touchdown and Drew Brees with 265 yards and two touchdowns, Kamara with one touchdown, Latavius Murray as well, and Michael Thomas with 73 yards, one second touchdown. But Dante Harris led the reception team with 83 yards. You know, but some could say Mitch Trubinsky did win 
Nickelodeon most valuable player, which was an interesting call, but you know, congrats to him. And the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 48 to 37. Some could say that game was over the first play of the game. Bacon Mayfield, 263 yards, three passing touchdowns. Nick Chubb with with 76 rushing yards, 69 reception yards, and a reception touchdown. Cream Hunt with two reception touchdowns, 48 yards. Landry led the team with 92 reception yards and a touchdown as well. Hooper also got a touchdown. Seems like everyone got a touchdown here. Carl Joseph with a fumble recovery. Stewart with 10 tackles and interception. Redwine with an interception. Takitaki with a pick. And Porter Gosson with a tick, with Ben Roethlisberger throwing four interceptions. He also did have four passing touchdowns, and he did have a good game. He had a 501 passing yards, but it wasn't enough. Juju had 157 yards and a touchdown, but that was not enough. Claypool had two interceptions, touchdowns as well, but it was not enough. The Cleveland Browns look really good, convincing. We'll see what they can do with Kansas City this week, as I'll send it over to Jason for our rapid-fire questions. All right, we're just going to get right into it. What is your biggest takeaway from the wild card weekend, Cam? No, I got to go with the Cleveland Browns showing up in Pittsburgh, beating the Steelers. They looked convincing. Bacon Mayfield looked good. The running game looked good. The defense looked very well. No, Rothenberger had a good game, but I think the Browns looked very well, and they were the, they were the team that won most convincingly besides the Saints this weekend, this past weekend. Brandon? I was going to talk about Cleveland Browns, but I'm going to go off a different team, Tennessee Titans, with Derrick Henry only getting 40 yards rushing on 18 carries. Uh, we saw last year when the Titans uh, won on to win in Baltimore, it was the Derrick Henry show. This year, it seems like he was on, um, not, uh, he was stopped this year, and that was surprising. Jason? Yeah, those are two big takeaways for me as well. I think that Baker Mayfield definitely established himself as the franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Browns and the Ravens, that defensive line, they showed up. They were able to stop Derrick Henry 2.2 yards per carry on 18 attempts is pretty insane. But one takeaway that I wanted to say is that Russell Wilson, you know, he was great in his earlier career in the playoffs, but I just think that he's not that same player in the playoffs anymore. I think he, you can argue he's a top three quarterback. I would agree with you, but in the playoffs, it's just not, there, they lost 30 to 20 to the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, they have the best defense in um, arguably in the NFL, um, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but Russell Wilson just wasn't there. 11 completions is not, you know, what you expect out of um, a top three quarterback in the NFL. So that would be one of my bigger takeaways of Wild Card Weekend. Um, as we go into the divisional round, we have eight teams left. Um, who is your NFL? favorite to win the Super Bowl? Who do you think will win it? Brandon. Well, we saw lots of teams last week in wildcard weekend show some uh, show some potential, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Green Bay Packers. They were off last week, but this week they're playing the Rams at home, and uh, Aaron Rodgers um, and Devontae Adams, such a great connection. I think the Green Bay Packers are the team to beat. Cam, what are your thoughts? You know, some would say the Kansas City Chiefs, but I think I got to agree with the Packers or the Chiefs here. Those are the most two dominant teams in the NFL right now, and I don't think those two teams can be stopped right now. Yeah, I think those teams are very unstoppable, but there's one team that I want to point out that I think still has a really good chance at winning it all, 
and that is the Buffalo Bills. They have been going crazy the past few weeks. Uh, you can't forget about them. I think they're going to win tonight uh, against Baltimore. I think that's going to be a close game, but I think that Buffalo can compete with Kansas City if they do play each other in uh, the AFC Championship. I mean, we know Josh Allen has elevated his game. He can be a top-five quarterback, Stephon Diggs, top-five receiver. And that defense, that secondary, with Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, Micah High, like that just – you got three great defenders there, and defensive line is not too bad either. So I just feel like there's no stopping the Buffalo Bills right now. Um, maybe we'll find their kryptonite. Maybe it's the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Packers, whoever it is. But I think right now nobody's stopping the Buffalo Bills. Uh, next up – which team would you not want to face if you were the head coach of any of the eight remaining teams still in the playoffs? Cam? I got to go with the two teams that came off the bye weeks, the Packers and the Chiefs. No, those teams can be their explosives. And after the bye, they're known to put up points. So I wouldn't want to play one of those teams three weeks. And I said the Chiefs can look out. And I think the Saints can also do good. But I know I still think – I think the Browns can shut down the Chiefs even though I wouldn't want to play the Chiefs. Brandon, your thoughts? Um, looks scary after their uh, crazy wild card game against the Steelers. Uh, Juju said before that the Cleveland Browns are just the Cleveland Browns, but they're not the same old Cleveland Browns that we know. That is the team I would not want to face. Yeah, I think that the Browns, they have a chip on their shoulder going into um, divisional round. They – played their minds out last week. That defense was incredible. And the run game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb was just great. I think that they're a very scary team, but I think that one other team with a good run game is the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I think that Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills are a good Super Bowl favorite, but I mean, if I'm Sean McDermott, you have the best run offense in the NFL right now. If Lamar can run for 136 rushing yards on the Tennessee Titans, you also have J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, and you got a solid receiving core. Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, you got a solid defense. I mean, I'm I'm pretty scared of that team. If they can get over 200 rushing yards a game, like that's just scary for any head coach, even for Sean McDermott. So I think that the the Baltimore Ravens are a very scary team to play. Talking about the Ravens' run game, we got news from Adam Schefter right now that Ravens' running back Mark Ingram is a healthy scratch tonight against the Buffalo Bills. Um, he is not playing due to Baltimore's salary cap considerations. So Mark Ingram out tonight for the Ravens, a healthy scratch. We'll see how that affects the team. But back to you guys. Yeah, I think that he's not going to affect the team too much because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards have uh, – you could you could say that they've taken his spot on the running back depth chart. Ingram, he's had a good year when he's gotten the opportunities, but they just want to use the young guys, and you got to respect that. Uh Second to last discussion, Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. Another um, discussion on the lines of the Bills and Ravens. Brennan, who is better, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? Well, this is a really tough decision, but I'm going to have to go with Josh Allen this year. He's been lights out this whole year. We've seen it. Uh, the Bills uh, scored, I think, about 200 points in the last like month of December. And I just think when Josh um, Allen um, is hot, uh, he's definitely um, scary and beat. For me, it's not so much a hard decision. It's clearly Josh Allen. Josh Allen can run the ball. He's learned how to throw the ball better. He's got a cannon. I think the league has figured out Lamar Jackson and his run game. Didn't take the league. Took him about a year to figure that out. But I think Josh Allen's a superior quarterback here. 
and because Josh Allen has a better arm and he can also run the ball. Might not be able to run the ball as well as Lamar can, but he can still do it and he can definitely throw the ball better. Yeah, I think Josh Allen right now is the better player, but um, we've seen that the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, they just didn't look the same um, last year in the divisional round. So the Bills with Josh Allen have never really been close to this spot, but I think this is a new Josh Allen. He's ready. He has a, a cannon of an arm, like you guys mentioned. He can run the ball too. He can get out the pocket. And he, he's got one of the best receiving cores in the league with Diggs, Beasley, John Brown, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis. So I think there's really no stopping Josh Allen. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, um, he has an elite run game, solid passing game, but I just don't see anyone really stopping Josh Allen. So I think that Josh Allen's the better quarterback of the two. And finally, another quarterback comparison, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. Two old guys, um, Drew Brees could possibly be retiring after the year. Brady wants to play more, but um, it'll be interesting to see who wins this game. And we're comparing the two quarterbacks right now, Brady or Brees. Cam? Over time, it's definitely Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He's got six Super Bowls. Brees has got one. Brady's a better quarterback. But as a team so far, the Saint, the Bucks have a better receiving core. But I think in this game, Brady will have a better game than Brees will. But I think the Saints will prevail in this game. Your thoughts, Brandon? I mean, you could say overall Brady is more Super Bowl uh, wins than Brees. But this could be the last time we see these two uh, future Hall of Famers play each other. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, but I think last week we saw Breeze, Thomas, uh, that connection. That's really good. And um, I think um, the Saints are going to win. I think yeah, I mean, the Saints are playing very well, but Tom Brady's obviously the better quarterback all time, even right now. It's not even a discussion. But the thing is, the Saints are better playoff performers. Their defense is a lot better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then you got. Uh, running back weapons like Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray. Yeah, that does not compare to something like Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. And Ronald Jones, he may not play this week, so we'll see how that plays out. And we have our coach updates from Brandon for the NFL. Yeah, I'm going to do a quick update. Um, we've seen a couple of coaches um, have new positions first off. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, number one pick, probably going to get Trevor Lawrence. They have um, their new head coach is former Ohio State head coach Urban Myers. Um, the Jets have hired defensive coordinator Robert Salah as their ne next head coach. They have the third overall pick. And uh, the Atlanta Falcons have also hired a new head coach, former Titans OC Arthur Smith. Uh, we also know that Detroit, Houston, LA Chargers and Philadelphia Eagles are um, still looking for head coaches. And we'll probably find out in the future. Um, as we're running out of time, we're going to talk about our NFL picks. Um, Cam, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think is winning in the NFL divisional round this week? You know, starting off in the East, I got the Bills beating the Ravens and I think the Chiefs are the better team, but I got to stick with my Cleveland Browns. I got the Cleveland Browns beating the Kansas City Chiefs along with Bills, and I have the Packers and the Saints winning out in the NFC. All right, so for me, um, 
I agree the Browns played well, but there's no stopping Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Packers and Rams, I think we can all agree that the Packers are the better team, but the Rams could catch people by surprise and, you know, um, uh, have some good defensive plays. Bills-Ravens, that is uh, one of my favorite games this week. Um, but I think it's going to come down to the last minute, and I think the Bills with Josh Allen are going to prevail. And then Bucks saints this is um, – I think this is the game of the week. It, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. I think that with Brady's receiving weapons, there's no stopping Tom Brady in the divisional round. I'm going to uh, have to agree with Cam. We actually have the same picks. I'm going Browns and Bills in the AFC and the Packers and Saints. Uh, like Cam mentioned, I think the Chiefs are going to um, be good after the bye, but we need to know the Chiefs offense, Patrick Mahomes um, and the rest of the com, his offense have not played for two weeks. They did not play in week 17, did not play last week because of bye. And I think Cleveland Browns are the team to beat. Yeah, the Browns safety Denzel Ward has not allowed over 100 yards in the game in a little bit now. But moving on to our quick updates, I'll start off with our NHL updates. The season has started. Going back into the format, there's four divisions, the Mass Mutual East, Honda West, Discover Central, and the Scotia Canada North. Each team will play in the division eight teams, and they'll play a total of 56 games, playing each other eight times. In the North, they will play eight to ten times because there's one less team there. Teams will also play the same teams back-to-back. We are three days in, and our Bruins are 1-0 with an overtime win against the New Jersey Devils Thursday. They play again today, Saturday at 1. The hottest team so far are the Lightning Flyers and Avalanche with commanding amount of goals and scored in their wins with Avalanche scoring eight goals last night, winning 8-9. to nine. In college football, the number one seed, Alabama, beat the three, Ohio State, in a score of 52-24 to 24 in the national championship. It looked very good out there. The Alabama receiver, Devontae Smith, won the Heisman scoring 215 yards, three touchdowns in the first half. Didn't play at all in the second half because he dislocated his finger, but they still won the game. And Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback, has declared for the NFL draft. You, Jason, for our MLB update. All right, quick MLB update. Season just around the corner. Uh, San Diego Padres, a few weeks ago, they got star pitchers, you, Darvish, and Blake Snow, which you mentioned before. The Yankees are going out making big signings. First signing, second base, DG LeMahieu to a six-year, $90 million deal. Corey Kluber, pitcher, former Cy Young winner. He's making up to $11 million on one-year uh, contract. Biggest news in baseball, though, was in the past few weeks, um, all-star shortstop from Cleveland, Francisco Lindor in a six-player trade that sends him to the other New York team, the New York Mets. Uh, the Mets will also get Carlos Carrasco, and the Cleveland are getting some other good players, such as Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, both shortstops. Now I'll send it to Brendan for our MLS update. All right, I'm going to close it out with our updates. Uh, in the past few weeks in MLS, we've seen some new head coaching jobs. Um, first off, former Red Bulls head coach Chris Armas is now going to be the head coach up north at Toronto FC. Uh, former Toronto FC head coach Greg Vanny uh, resigned last year, and he'll now be the new head coach of the LA Galaxy. Uh, during the 2021 season, we are going to welcome a new team, Austin FC. 2017 in MLS, and MLS goal is to get to 30 teams by the year 2023. This week, we had news with the Montreal Impact changing their name to Club de Foot Montreal, or simply CF Montreal. Lastly, we're going to remind you our 2020 MLS champs were the Columbus Crew FC. They beat Seattle 3-1 in MLS Cup in early December. That's it.
for our sports updates. Um, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, we had a great episode. Uh, we talked about James Harden trade. We uh, talked about NFL. Give quick updates in uh, sports. And that's going to do it for episode 17. Um, uh, second episode of the year 2021. And we're hoping to have some guests in the future, um, including a special NFL uh, NFL-only episode with special guest Mike Reese coming soon. Uh, Jason, Cam, any last words? Big division around weekend. Excited. Oh. All right. That's going to do it for CBJ episode 17. Thanks for listening. And uh, we hope, uh, and also follow us on Instagram where you'll see us have our predictions. Um, we'll put our predictions um, up there again and any other important news will be on the Instagram. All right, that's it. Episode 17 is over.